Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the final weekend before the final four. Uh, you're listening to We In Sports Talk Live on our regular Sunday night program. We will be back doing Sunday and Wednesday in the near future, um, especially one night until football gets kind of after spring tra- or after the uh, spring games and everything, and once we can start breaking down all of the competition. Thanks again, everybody, for listening, and we're going to break down these games. What a phenomenal, phenomenal tournament. Louisville cost me my perfect Final Four, but I was rooting inside for Michigan State. I just love Tom Izzo. I love his the way he coaches his team. I know Trey is a big fan. Let's bring Trey on right now, the fine co-host of this program. Trey, I mean, could you ask for a better weekend of basketball? I um, mean, I, I thoroughly, you know, you know me, I was uh, I was happy either way. I, you know, you and I both had the final four as it was, you know, minus Michigan State for Louisville. So it was a win-win for me. But I got to tell you, you know, as a, as somebody who went to Michigan State, super, super happy uh, watching Izzo do what he does. Uh, and then, man, the no coaching matchup in the history of college basketball have four coaches had as many as much Final Four experience as the four guys we have? Carvin, I mean, that's incredible. Four Stallworths. I mean, Wisconsin's up there now, but you have three of the best coaches of all time: Calipari, Izzo, Krzyzewski, and then of course the new guy and Ryan. So, tell me, Carvin, it's going to be a fun, fun weekend. Wow, and 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 what makes it? Just more, I mean, I'm getting antsy thinking about this. The rematch of last year's Final Four semifinal, Wisconsin-Kentucky. Kentucky, I believe, won by one point and knocked Wisconsin out. Now here they are again. Which team is in better shape compared to last year? You look at Kentucky, they were hot, but I think Kentucky's better, and believe it or not, I think Wisconsin's better, Trey. So it's gonna it's going to be a great matchup. Yeah, I mean, Tarvin, you're looking at uh, both teams have been much improved this year. Obviously, Kentucky is a very, 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 very good basketball team. But what they showed you against Notre Dame is is that, you know, they can lose to just like anybody else can. And Wisconsin is, is so been so battle-tested this tournament. You have to feel like they're not going to panic. And, you know, you've pointed this out. They shoot free throws so well down the stretch. I mean, Frank the Tank Comiskey, that guy's been clutch. And I got to tell you, man, that that shot that Decker took, Tarvin. Oh man! I mean, I, I, you can watch that on the YouTube loop and just be like, how in the world? Because he was already walking away when that shot was like at a high arc, looked like it was going to hit the backboard, uh, and just just swished it. So I mean, those guys were ready for this game. And and you know, watching Wisconsin Arizona, phenomenal phenomenal game last night. When it got to four minutes, Trey, I never once thought that. Wisconsin was going to blow the lead because they can't hit free throws. They can't execute down the stretch. They're going to make a stupid turnover. So that's, I mean, how when you watch a team like that, how how refreshing is it to see teams that hit free throws? Look at Louisville. 
couldn't hit a free throw today at the end. They could have won the game. They'd been in the Final Four if they could just hit a charity. I mean, it's just – it frustrates me watching teams that cannot hit free throws. And if you – I mean, am I, am I missing it here? I mean, why are free throws so hard to hit for these college guys? Well, I mean, Tarvin, you hit a, a great point. Michigan State also not a very good free throw shooting team. Uh, and they missed some very important free throws against Louisville and them not costing them. Uh, they went to overtime and then really pulled that game away. Uh, so I think Michigan State uh, has has going to have some issues at some point, you would think. I mean, they have just been almost um, – I mean, there's so many stats, Tarvin, to talk about what Izzo and what Krzyzewski have done with their seeding and with these type of matchups that – there's so much in favor for those two teams winning at all. And then you look at Kentucky and you think, you know, a team like this, I mean, we haven't seen a team this good with NBA talent, uh, just, I mean, one to five in so long. How could they lose? But then you look at Michigan State, they look like a team of destiny. You look at Wisconsin, and they're so clutch. You look at Duke, they have three guys who are going in the first round, too. Duke isn't very deep, though, Tarvin. I mean, every one of these teams mm-hmm. have something about them that you, you say they're going to win it all. And they have something about them that says they're going to have to collapse in the final four. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of intriguing stuff going on right now in these four teams. Well, I want to tell people, I think they miss this when they look at Kentucky and other teams like Wisconsin, Michigan State. Yeah, true, you have All-Americans at Kentucky. But one thing about them, they're freshmen. And they have a couple of sophomores, Trey. But uh, let, me, let me mute you real quick. Um, look at the sophomores and freshmen for Kentucky. But – you look at Wisconsin, Michigan State, they have seniors on this team that have been playing under a rigorous system for four years. They've been playing ball together under some great coaches. You look at Bo Ryan, what he's able to do with these players with four years, three, four years, and it's like, okay, do you want a 22-year-old man going up against a 18-, 19-year-old kid, really? There's a big – I don't care how good of a basketball player you are. I don't think you can beat – you know, like the physical makeup of a 22-year-old man that's been in college for four years. There's just strength that comes from, from getting older. And once you get up to that age as a senior in college, you're probably the strongest you've been in your life at that point. And that's where it's going to come down to. You have Wisconsin. You have Kentucky. You have the elite All-Americans on one team. They're all young. You have the seniors uh, and the juniors on Wisconsin that are more mature. And then you look at Michigan State. I mean, look at how hard these guys play and how smart they are. Yeah, they don't hit free throws, Michigan State, but against uh, Oklahoma the night before, Friday night, they hit six free throws down the stretch to steal the game. So, you know, you have to hit free throws to win, but coaching is important. But I think experience, Trey, when you look at the end of the day, Wisconsin's experience is what's going to win a championship if anything's going to. Well, and Tarvin, you know, one of the things, too, about Kentucky uh, is, you know, you have a junior in Willie Cauley-Stein who has been the tournament, you know, went through this last year. And let's not forget that it was Harrison who hit all those, what, three game-winning shots in the tournament last year. So, yeah, they have freshmen, but they do have some leadership. And, yeah, it's not seniors. You're absolutely right that Izzo is a phenomenal coach at getting guys to stay and play for four years. I mean, you and I have talked about what he's done with some guys who are in the NBA who stayed for four years, couldn't need to, uh, or even three years. So, 
those guys are more, you know, more uh, mature, Tarvin. But I mean, I just think of what Harrison did last year in the tournament, and you have Callie Stein who's been around for three years. I mean, these guys they do have some depth in that, um, not depth, but leadership on Kentucky's team. And that 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 it, and you've seen that, you know, in Kentucky when they got down to, to Notre Dame and with that last, you know, last minute or two. Uh, you saw Harrison and Carly Stein. You saw it, and yeah, I, I saw some panic in some of the freshmen. But you saw those other guys who played in those mm-hmm. last year. You saw them sort of get ice in their veins, and they're ready to go. So that's what I think is different about this Kentucky team than last year's team that lost the finals. And so, like I said, you can you can make a story for why Kentucky is no way going to lose, and then make a uh, you know make it also as equally plausible. Uh, game scenario where Wisconsin takes them out. Well, and, and I think people are. Let's go to the first semi or the first Elite Eight matchup yesterday: Arizona Wisconsin, the best game of the weekend, uh, the most anticipated game of the weekend, I should say. You, you look at Wisconsin. Do you realize what they shot in the second half, Trey, from the field? Uh, what was it? It was like seventy-six percent. I mean, a team with an offense like this is explosive. They're hitting every shot in the building. You can't really beat them. For for Arizona to hold them to seven, I think it shows how good of a team Arizona was. And I just think the seeding was off in this tournament. I think Arizona deserved a one seed. And, and if they had a two, it should have been in another region, maybe in Villanova's. Uh, because, man, Arizona, Trey, is a very, very good basketball team. For just some reason, this team can't get over the uh, Elite Eight hump. Well, yeah, I think. I mean, imagine if Gonzaga or uh, Arizona were in the Villanova bracket, then they could be in the Final Four. And now it's hard to say because Louisville and Michigan State, I saw a lot of comments on Twitter about how they didn't deserve it or they're the odd man out. I, I disagree, Tarvin. I think Michigan State um, and Louisville, even Louisville, who, who lost, really could have given Kentucky – Wisconsin, any of those teams, uh, just enough of a game to to get by and win. Uh, so that's why I think, um, obviously I agree with you, I think Arizona is one of the top teams in the country, but you know, I wouldn't have wanted Michigan State as a seven in my seat, in my region if I was Kentucky either. So so do you think Michigan State was, uh, do you think they deserved a better seed? Because I, I know this committee, you have to go by the entire body of work. And you watched Michigan State early, and we talked about this the other day, Trey, how, how they play a very tough schedule early. Tom Izzo gets – I mean, he may lose three or four games, but he's getting that team built the way he wants to to be able to do a March run. Do you remember watching that tournament, the Big Ten Championship game, and, and we talked about both of these teams look like Final Four teams. And at the time, you know, we didn't think both of them could make it. But look at it now. Both of them are Final Four teams. Do you think Michigan State deserved a better seat? Well, I mean, obviously hindsight is, is better than 2020. But, I mean, going into the tournament, I thought a seven was low. I, I thought they were going to get a five, uh, you know, at the lowest. I, I thought four or five was about where they should be. Um, when they got the seven and they were in, I mean, you and I talked about this, when they were in the Villanova-Virginia bracket, it was like, man, you know, tough seating for them, but you could, I mean, um, you know, I had Oklahoma beating them, but I had that game very, very close, and I couldn't decide which way to go. Um, but, you know, that was that was a great bracket for them to be in uh, if they're going to be seated that low. Uh, and it, it obviously paid off. I mean, what's Izzo, man? You can't say enough about about this guy and what he does. I mean, Trice, dude, wow. that guy's 
mind. He's clutch. I mean, it, you know, you hear the saying, ice water in his veins, Trey, that that kid has more heart than than anybody on the floor at any time. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, you watch him play, uh, and you talk about people who want it. Uh, I watched you know, Trice in that, and not only the Louisville game, but the Oklahoma game. I just saw, it reminded me so much of watching Michigan play a couple of years ago when they made that run. Uh, and you had just, you know, so many clutch shooters that were shooting the ball sort of out of the gym. Watching Trice play just reminded me of the shooters on that team who are all in the NBA right now. Uh, and it just reminded me of that kind of clutch run where you just saw guys who just, just seem to can't miss when it comes to the, four, you know, the, sort of the, the last minute. Well, well, let's start real quick. Arizona, Wisconsin. We saw Arizona take a three-point lead into the locker room. What do you think Bo Ryan said to his guys in the second half? I mean, they came out. And, and the, actually, it was a lot. It wasn't as close as the seven points indicates the, the final score. I mean, what what happened in that locker room, you think? Because they came out and looked like the best team in the country. I made a statement last night after that game, hey, Wisconsin's the best team in the country. So, Bo Ryan must have lit a fire under these guys. You know, I think a lot of the ways it was refocusing. And if you watch Wisconsin play uh, in that, throughout the tournament, even early on, they looked they struggled in the first half. And, you know, sometimes it's second-half adjustments. And, and sometimes guys just can't shoot. You know, they're not – they're cold starters. I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, Decker uh, is a guy – you're talking about shooting from outside of the, out of the gym. I mean, that guy. Uh, but – he he takes a little time to get warmed up. It looks like if you watch the tournament he, early on, he, he's a little bit hesitant when he shoots. He doesn't seem to get his feeling for his you know his his shot. In the second half of those games, going to the tournament, even in the Big Ten tournament, he's much more of a fluid free flower of a shooter because he feels he can start selling. He doesn't care where he's shooting from because he feels like he's going to get it. Um, and I think that's part of it, Tarvin. I think a part of it too was they had a better feel for what Arizona was doing to him. Yeah, and, if, and I look at the free throw. I mean, if you'd have told me before the game that Arizona was going to be 28 to 30 from the free throw line, that's 93 percent, by the way, in Wisconsin, 74 percent, 23 to 31, I would have had a different out, you know, a thought of how that game was going to turn out. But but it was Decker, Kaminsky, and Gasser. Those those three combined, man, Trey. I mean, 66 points of their points with those three guys. I mean, how hot are these three going to have to be against Kentucky to be able to win? Because I, I know they looked great yesterday, but it's different when you're playing a team like Kentucky that can go 10 deep. Arizona is a decent-sized team, you know, and they, they had one player, uh, Gabe York, I believe is his name, off the bench that played 33 minutes, but they're not deep. Arizona wasn't deep, and I think that's why the second half Wisconsin could kind of go on the run. They're not going to be able to do, do that against Kentucky, Trent. Well, for Wisconsin, it, it boils down to is, is Decker and those guys, are they going to be able to start warmer as they have been? Because I think, you know, with Harrison and the shooters that Kentucky have, or Harrison's, I should say, um, th- those guys, if one guy's not feeling it, they have a guy who can shoot just behind him who may feel it. So it's one of those things that I don't think Wisconsin can afford to get down by eight or nine and a half or, or in the first half. I think they're going to have to be – very, very close at halftime or even leading uh, because, you know, you know there's going to be a huge run by Kentucky, and you know Wisconsin's going to go on a huge run. And so you want to be 
you know, if you're if you're down by ten and you go on a huge run, and you're down by two. You know, then Kentucky is on their run, and then the ball game's over. So, I think they're going to have to come out shooting a little bit better than they did against Arizona. I agree, and and congrats to Wisconsin, the first team to make the Final Four. And Trey, that takes us to the nightcap. What a game! Tied thirty-one at half. Notre Dame, Kentucky. I was always wondering when's Kentucky going to pull away, and it never happened. You have to credit Notre Dame for the intensity they played with for 38 minutes. And, and, you know, to beat the champion, sorry, to beat a team that's undefeated, you've got to put the dagger in. And I think Notre Dame, the timeouts really, you know, alerted me that something was going on. They made a mistake uh, with the timeouts at the end of play call, Trey. They had a lot of time to get a shot off at the end of the game, but they chose to drive it all the way down the court to the baseline. You know how hard it is to shoot a ball from, from that position, especially – going across your body like he had to do. But Notre Dame, credit them, Calipari's interview after the game, Trey, it just seemed like Calipari gave Notre Dame a slap in the face. Did you get a chance to hear uh, what Calipari said? No, I didn't. Let, let, let us know what he said, man. Because I'll tell you, um, I, I don't think – I don't know what he said, but, I mean, I think Notre Dame played a really good ball game. And I think Kentucky played a really good ball game. Uh, but, you know, this is, this is, a, this is a tournament. You know, I mean, Kentucky's getting teams they haven't faced before. Notre Dame won the ACC teams in the Elite Eight or whatever it was. So, um, yeah, three teams, excuse me, five teams in the 316. So, I mean, you talk about a very deep conference, and, and Notre Dame, even small ball, they're, they're shooters. Well, what happened was, and, and you know, this you run a risk any time, and people don't agree with me when I say this. When you put a microphone in a coach's face after a game, win or lose, I mean, it's, sometimes the emotions are high. You have to be careful as a coach. Calipari, you know, he let his emotion get the best of him. The, the guy I interviewed him, I can't remember his name, asked him the question, hey, was this your toughest game of the year so far? I mean, you, you struggle with Notre Dame and everything. And he's like, no, we've, we've had a lot of tough games this year. And then he went on to say, we played bad tonight. We didn't play good. Notre Dame played exceptional basketball tonight, you know. you know. But to me, when, the way he said it, it was just, discounting Notre Dame's effort out there and how good of a team they were. I just think it was a, a very classless move by a coach that some people don't think is classy at all, Trey. And I just think that could give him a black eye and be some kind of motivation for, for the opponents in the next week. Well, I'm not going to tell you that the coaches he's going to face, um, Ryan and whether it's Izzo or Krzyzewski, don't really worry about what the opposing coach does. I mean, these guys have been to more Final Fours than he's been to. Uh, I mean, what, Krzyzewski, what, is that it's 12th time John Wooden for the most Final Fours in the history of college basketball? <laughs> I mean, Izzo's been to, what, four as a, what, beyond the five seed, something crazy like that. I mean, these guys, I mean, Ryan Ryan is running an amazing program at Wisconsin. Uh, so these guys don't really worry about what Calipari is saying. Uh, I, I would look for... Um, a very, very good um, coaching scheme on all these guys. And I, I hope with the games are even, Tarvin. I really do. Well, uh, if you're in the studio right now and you want in, press number one. Block Talk Radio has changed up our entire format, so I can't tell if somebody wants it or not. Sonia, I know you're in the chat room. When you all want in, let me know, and I'll bring you on. But, but Kentucky, man, to me, you're right. I saw some starry eyes, Trey, and, and some of those freshmen. It was like, oh, my God. I mean, that game got to four minutes, and I started even – I was getting very concerned. When, when Harrison hit that three and Notre Dame answered with one of their own, I thought, uh-oh, you know, Kentucky's in trouble. But they found a way to win. 
they found a way to be resilient. But but one thing Kentucky's going to have to do, Trey, when they play Wisconsin on Saturday, they cannot rely on Towns alone. It's like last night, all they did was feed it to him. He put up 25 points. He was 10 of 13 from the field. Why do you think nobody else could get it going on Kentucky? Was it Notre Dame's defense? Was it the the moment? You know that Elite Eight game is tough, Trey. I mean, anytime you look at history, that's the toughest game to get through. But but why could nobody else get going, really? Well, you know, I think part of it is is that you got to give Notre Dame a lot of credit for their de- their defensive scheme and guarding the shooters in the three point line. Uh, I think they made those guys take shots they didn't want to take. Uh, I think that's a lot of large part of it. I mean, I think Kentucky has had a lot of time this year. You know, you and I talked about this facing lesser opponents in the SEC to sort of coast through a lot of these games and then go, okay, you know, second half, I guess we'll take it for serious. Um, they can't do that anymore. And, you know, they, I don't know if that was part of it against Notre Dame, you know, because they just blew out West Virginia so bad. Uh, but they're not going to be able to do that against Wisconsin. They're going to have to go and play 44 minutes of basketball. Uh, and maybe that's part of it with these young guys. Maybe they don't want to run uh, run the floor, you know, every single every single ball down. Maybe that's part of it. Yeah, and and I look at the the bench play. You look at Notre Dame starters last night. Uh, Jackson with 40 minutes, Vasteria um, with 38, Grant 40, uh, Conakin 39. I mean, these guys played almost the entire game. August played 27 minutes because he got in some foul trouble. But you look at Kentucky starters: 33 minutes, 25, 25, 27, 29. The bench: 27, 24, 8, and 2. I think the fresh legs for Kentucky really helped them in that fourth or in that second um, second half, the last four minutes, Trey, because it, uh, it it did look like Notre Dame was starting to fade just a little bit. And when you play that kind of intensity for 40 minutes, I don't care who you are, you're not going to match up with a, a more rested team. And you got to think they played a tough game um, on Thursday night as well. So how much did that play into it, Trey, the fatigue of Notre Dame? I have a, a deep bench. Yeah, and that's that's honestly what I think. Uh, you know, when I look at you know Wisconsin, um, they have a okay bench, I guess. You know, but Duke, you know, those guys they basically play six guys. You know, and you're talking about a lot of tournament minutes. So that's where I, I do start to wonder. You know, about these other teams because Kentucky is deeper than everybody, and that does matter when you face. You know, when you run through an entire conference tournament like Kentucky did, or, or like Notre Dame did. Uh, like Wisconsin did, um, and then you have to go and you have to then face, you know, the the, the big tournament. You know, what's, you know, so Michigan State's there too. Um, you know, those minutes add up, Tarvin. They really do. Yeah, and uh, so congratulations to Kentucky and Wisconsin, and we'll do a show on uh, Wednesday night to to definitely go over the final four the upcoming weekend. Uh, the first game today, the best game of the day, Michigan State 76, Louisville 70. You look at the the overall performance, Michigan State shot 75% from the free throw line, Louisville 69%. Both teams struggled down the stretch at the free throw line. That's something you have to look at. Going into the Final Four, I mean, can Michigan State shoot free throws better? Can they play? I mean, you look at this. I mean, this is amazing. Dawson, nine points. That's a that's under for him. Schilling had six. Travis Trice, 17. Valentine, 15. Then you go to that bench. Costello with six. Clark with five. 
Forbes with 14. He had some big three-pointers, four six in the second half. I mean, he helped. Uh, I don't know if that was the entire second half, but he helped, you know, cut that eight-point deficit at halftime down in the second half, shooting those threes. But 75%, that's okay, I guess, right now for Michigan State. If they can stay around 75%, they're going to be okay. I like the depth, the bench play. You look at Louisville, they didn't get much help from the bench. They had five points from the bench. That's just not going to be enough. Five points compared to 26 uh, for Michigan State. That showed up in the second half. Harrell had 16 points for Louisville. Rozier, 13. Blackshear was a huge 12 of 12 from the line, 28 points. Trey, this was a, a well-coached game. I mean, they don't have the best talent in the world, but it's going to be hard to beat Michigan State. It would have been hard to beat Louisville had they uh, been the team facing Pew. Yeah, I mean, Michigan State just seems like a team. Um, I'll be honest, I thought they were going to lose going down the stretch to Oklahoma. When I saw, you know, this is a team who doesn't shoot free throws extremely well. Uh, they missed some clutch shots. Um, they just seemed to find a way. And the same thing happened against Louisville. When the game was tied, I thought, well, Tarvin, Louisville drives to the basket. They're going to be okay, but Louisville started taking jump shots. They don't have jump shot shooters. And then Michigan State all of a sudden opened up a good lead on them. So it just seems that Michigan State does everything right in the second half. All right, I'm trying to get Jason on. Give me just a second. This studio is is acting crazy right now. Give me one second. I'm going to bring Jason on to talk about uh, Michigan State. He's very familiar with this team, being a Big Ten fan. But, I mean, the coaching in this game, I, I don't know if you paid attention to that, Trey. You probably did. You're like me. You watch the coaches. But how in control are both of these coaches at all times? Do you ever see them giving the referees a break? Both of these coaches work the officials and work their team. I've never seen anything like these two. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I absolutely agree with you, man. This this whole tournament has been just a series of clutch coaching moves and a series of clutch shots. And we saw last year, too, Tarvin. I love it, man. It's, uh, it's got me on the edge of my seat every night. And what I hope, Tarvin, is the layoff that we have now until the Final Four doesn't cool off any of these teams and they all come out hot. Because the layoff, Tarvin, and my thoughts are the layoff will hurt Michigan State and Wisconsin the most. I don't know what you think about that, but that's, my thoughts are that Michigan State's been a little bit too – I mean, just everything down the second half has been too right for them. Uh, I think the layoff will hurt them. Uh, and then Wisconsin, I just think with everything going for Kentucky and how talented they are, you know, this is this is a big moment for Wisconsin. Uh, you know, I know they lost this game last year. They are me thinking about that. And I just think, you know, the layoff helps Kentucky because they've been there and beat Wisconsin last year. Yep, and welcome to the show, Jason and Sonia. Jason, I mean, the Big Ten with two teams in the Final Four. I mean, you have to be happy as a Big Ten fan. Yeah, um, you know, it's better than um, previous years. And all I really was going to say, Tarvin, was the reason why Michigan State got no love and and they got such a poor seating is just simply from past – Performances of Big Ten teams in the tournament. It's unfair, but, I mean, our conference this year was kind of up and down, but you still had, you know, four solid teams. Michigan State, I mean, they were decent. 
So I'm not surprised. <clears throat> um, I just can't root for a cheesehead. So. <laughs> Well, I love that Wisconsin team, Jason. It's probably the the most fundamentally sound team that I've seen in 20 years of watching basketball. I mean, I have to go back to to the Duke with Leitner and Hurley and Grant Hill and all them. This Bo Ryan character at Wisconsin, he's he's building something special there. But what's what's going to happen with Kaminsky leave or Kaminsky leaves and Decker? I mean, is he going to be able to go out and recruit the kind of talent he needs to to make another Final Four push? It's two in a row, two Final Fours in a row. That's that's amazing. No, I mean he he gets his kids. I mean, Wisconsin just plays like Wisconsin. They've always played like that. I mean, it's just they have they have a special kid. They have Kaminsky. I mean that that. Dorky kid, but man, can he play? <laughs> is 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 he the best player on that team? You think? Oh yeah, hands hands down, best all around. Tarvin, he plays guard. <laughs> I mean, he he can dribble, he can pass, he can. Sh- I mean, the dude is complete. He's he, dirty he well. he made over, isn't he? Oh God, God, he he is he's the best player in, in the country right now. He, he'll go number one this year. I, mean, that, I can't. I, I mean, can't disagree with you. He's he's NBA ready. I think if he puts on about yeah. twenty pounds, he'll he'll be even even better. Yeah, you know, he kind of reminds me of a Leitner. <laughs> we were talking about that, but, but just but just not as arrogant. I mean, he's quiet, but oh, he just runs around people. It's funny. It's it's just funny to watch him. He reminds me of a combination of Leitner and like a, a Steve Nash without the panache. <laughs> Like, yeah, he, he reminds he reminds me of Dirk. When I watch him play, he, he reminds me of Dirk. But I think, you know, it's possible. I mean, he could be better. I mean, you, you never know this day and age, the the training he's had and what's out there available for these guys. It's going to be hard. I mean, but, but Wisconsin's going to have to rely on Jason. They're going to have to rely on more than Decker and Kaminsky if they're going to beat Kentucky. I, I don't think that team – can can beat Kentucky, but with the, with just those two guys, they're going to have to have a, a hell of a performance from everybody. Please let Kentucky win. The the key the key for Big Ten teams, the key is is, is defense, and they do play defense. And that's the one thing that they could probably hang with Kentucky is they could play defense all four quarters. I mean, they are big, so I, I don't know. That's a toss up. I, do. I love Kentucky, though. I won't lie. They, look, yeah, I want I Kentucky to win for, for one simple reason, okay? I'm not a conference homer. I really did not care, but at this point, yes, I'm go blue. I do not want to deal with another year of bottom feeder Big Ten fans <laughs> flapping their yaps and screeching. I just am not in the mood for that. No. No. No, the Big Ten, please do not win. <laughs> Don't win. We're bad. Or, or, We're or, bad. or having Wisconsin and Michigan State in the championship. How bad would that be? Oh, gosh. No, that, and we would be insufferable. I'm, I'm sorry, but that won't happen. It won't happen, but yeah. yeah. I mean, I can see a lot of Big Ten teams. Oh, God, that would be so great. Ain't going to happen. Nah. This, this ain't Bama LSU, Shrouder. <laughs> Let's be honest. Well, guys, stay right there. We'll get back to y'all in just a minute. We're going to get into football, but thanks for joining us on the basketball talk for a minute. We're going to talk some Alabama football here in a moment. Sonia, Jason want to weigh in on that. Uh, 
Trey, let's go to the Duke-Gonzaga game. That's the game that I picked Duke in my bracket to, to make the Final Four and even the championship. But I, something told me today that Gonzaga was going to come in there and maybe beat Duke. I mean, I don't know why I thought that, Trey, but Duke stepped up again. I mean, they had scoring from a lot of different people. Uh, and at the end of the day, Duke wanted it the most. I mean, Winslow played a phenomenal game today. I mean, Tyrus Jones made some clutch shots. What did you see about Duke in this tournament that that impressed you and that gives you a chance to to maybe think they could knock off Michigan State or Kentucky? One word for you, buddy, and it's a word of the law. Justice. Justice reigns free, buddy. That kid, man, his... Every time he had the ball in the second half, you knew something special was going to happen. Uh, I can't imagine he, he doesn't he doesn't go pro immediately. But I mean, uh, that guy just when you saw him hit that clutch three in the second half, he gave a small expression of you know like he, he was pumped up, and then he went straight back to being like, "What's next?" And that's the kind of thing I like to see is a kid who hits a great shot has a single second, and then the next thing he's refocused. Uh, that's a big thing for, uh, you know, a, a young guy playing in a, a big tournament for the first time. And so that impresses me. Um, you know, I have Duke in the championship game. I like that pick even more now. Uh, I still think their bench is a problem. I don't I don't like the fact that Krzyzewski doesn't have guys coming off the bench uh, ready to go. Um, you know, foul trouble is going to hit at some point. So, um that's that's my only fear for Duke is but is but, 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 but Trey Duke has the the star power, so to speak, to to be able to match up with Kentucky, at least starting five. I mean that I mean you look well, at those I mean, names on that Duke roster, they're they're pretty special. Well they have three guys who are gonna go in the top fifteen, I mean, in the NBA draft if they if they all go out, <laughs> which you know, there's nothing saying they won't. Um but I mean here's the thing, I mean Kentucky has if if they come out and their goal is to get those guys in foul trouble, and they, and they drive the lane, and they, and they they say, "Hey, we're either going to take charges, or we're going to we're going to you know get blocking fouls or get hacked, and we're going to see what happens." I think that's a strategy to get to do. They can be very effective. Uh, if you think ah, we're deeper than you are, let's see what you can do with foul trouble. And nobody's really done that against Duke in this tournament. It was done in the ACC this year against Duke several times. In fact, one of them was North Carolina. So, I think if those guys if, if Kentucky takes that strategy and says, hey, let's get into a free throw shooting game and, and we'll, we'll worry about the fouls later, uh, we'll live in the paint. Uh, I think that's where Duke, even with even with Jalil Okafor, I mean, he has not had a monster game, uh, and I don't think he will um, against Duke or Michigan, excuse me, against Michigan State or uh, Wisconsin or uh, Kentucky. I don't think they match up. Okafor is going to have that kind of game against those guys. They're too big. So, um I think Duke will get past Michigan State, Tarvin, but I, I just see Kentucky and Wisconsin being matchup problems. Yeah, if you look at the point spread right now, uh, on the or excuse me, the the bench. I'll talk about that first. The bench for Duke trades zero points today. The bench only shot one time. Grayson Allen shot one time. He missed it. You can't beat Kentucky like that. You're you're exactly right. You have to have some depth. And that's what they don't have. That that does concern me, and that has to concern anybody out there looking. If if Duke makes it past Michigan State, how are they going to beat a Wisconsin or Kentucky? Especially Wisconsin, the way they pass the ball tray, the way they they pass it three or four extra times will wear you down, and, and Duke's not going to have anybody. But Duke, I've I've never seen a team get such a soft 
uh, a bracket, Trey. I mean, it's it's easy, isn't it? I mean, Butte was a shoe in. That's why I had them in the finals, really. Uh, looking at their their road, I mean, these guys haven't been tested yet. Well, I mean, make no mistake, Gonzaga is really good. Uh, and they're going to be really good next year too. By the way, they have a lot of guys coming back. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to discount the fact that Gonzaga. Uh, was a very big challenge. It'd have been a challenge for anybody. They're they're big. They shoot, uh, and it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what they do in the tournament next year when they have a lot of people back. Um, but yeah, I mean, you could argue that they had a, a, a weaker run of it. Um, but that's what I'm saying is that, you know they had a very tough time in the ACC, couldn't win it over Notre Dame. Who you know um, had that special run. But I'm just I agree with you, man. No bench scoring today, and there's been very little bench scoring for them all year. I will say this, and I feel more confident about it. I think Notre Dame is the best team in the ACC. I mean, not was or you know, I know I know they won the tournament and everything, but I'm sorry. I think Notre Dame, if if they played Duke Saturday in the Final Four, I think Notre Dame would beat them. Trey, I mean, what do you think about Notre Dame? I know they they played phenomenal last night. That's why I'm not really buying Duke right now to win a championship because I don't think the best team in the ACC is even in the tournament. Well, I mean, you know, I think the ACC has a lot of teams that could win the tournament if they had the right matchups and the right night. I mean, you're talking about, I mean, Louisville, um, Notre Dame, Duke, all sort of in that very elite area. Uh, and that's just, you know, three of the five that made it to the Sweet 16. I think NC State and North Carolina, you know, had a, had a good run in them had they played somebody else. So, you know, I mean, it's a, I really do think the bench is the big the big uh, laps with Duke. Uh, I think this is their year, though, because I don't think next year they have the recruiting to make this run again. Uh, they always get a couple of great guys, but this year was their special year. So, I mean, they need those guys to come back, Tarvin, uh, for Duke uh, because they need a bench. I mean, without this, I'm telling you, man, I, in the Final Four, we're going to see the bench become an issue. Yep, let's get Quinn on. Let's get Quinn. He's a Notre Dame fan. He thinks Wisconsin is going to be Kentucky. Quinn, welcome to the show. How's it going? Pretty good, but I think I think Wisconsin I think Wisconsin can. Wisconsin is pretty much a bigger, a bigger and a little more efficient version than Kentucky. If if Wisconsin brings the intensity and the heart that Notre Dame brought, I think I think they very well could beat Kentucky. Well, hold on. You, you said Wisconsin was bigger than Kentucky? Well, bigger than Notre Dame is what I meant. Okay. Bigger than Notre Dame yeah, is what I meant. And Wisconsin's a great team, Quinn. Don't get me wrong. And I mean, they, they've got it going on right now. But, you know, if you, you're not as old as I am, and but you probably watch a lot of basketball in the years you've been alive. This Elite Eight team, to try to get past that hurdle to get to the Final Four is usually the toughest game for a team like Kentucky or, you know, Duke back in the day, UNLV. When you get to that, I mean, there's a block. There's a mental block, a lot of pressure that comes with a Kentucky team that was 37-0 and last night. One more step to get to the Final Four. I think Notre Dame is um, going to give Kentucky more problems than Wisconsin will. I think last night was, was the chance. If you wanted to see Kentucky lose last night, was the best chance it looks like. I don't think Wisconsin's going to be able with a week, Calipari with a week to prepare, is going to be able to come into this game and and really give Kentucky any problems. 
when the point spread opened up, Kentucky is a five-point favorite in this game right now, which 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 mm-hmm. which doesn't mean anything, but that's what Vegas thinks. Yeah, what, what do you remember? What the point spread was of that Kentucky Notre Dame game last night? It was eleven. Oh yeah, it was eleven. I had a pretty good feeling about that game all day Friday going into yesterday, and I did not comment on anything to do with that game. And I said, "Watch Notre Dame come out and play them until zero is on the clock." That's exactly what happened. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to be happy with, with Notre Dame. What did you think about Michigan State and uh, the Louisville game today? I, I, thought, I thought it would be exactly how it was. A close game, but I thought Michigan State would come out on top. I had them going to the Final Four. I felt pretty confident that that they would get there. Why did you feel confident about Michigan State enough to put them in the Final Four? I had them in the Elite Eight, and uh, I wanted to pull the trigger, but I went with Louisville. I'm kicking myself. But why did you feel that Michigan State was going to win that region? Because Virginia was on a downswing. Oklahoma is, I don't know, I don't think they think they were as good as a three is a three seed and Michigan State was hot and it's yep. is though so I don't I don't really go against him in March so I went with Michigan State and then oh. and then I wish I wish Notre Dame would have would have had Duke's road I think if Notre Dame was in any other region besides Kentucky I think Notre Dame would be in the Final Four yeah. Hey, I can't disagree. I was I was stunned last night, Quinn. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I've watched Notre Dame play, but, you know, I, I didn't think they were as good as, as what people were letting on to be. But last night, they, they won me over. Watching that game, the way they played, that's one of the best basketball teams in the country. And I think you're right, Quinn, if, if – uh, if Notre Dame just say, I, I think if they were in Duke's region or if they were in Michigan State's region, I think Notre Dame would be playing in that Final Four Saturday. Yeah, Duke, Duke got Duke got the easiest road out of out of any out of any of the teams. Uh, yep, they did. Well, Quinn, buddy, we're gonna move on to football. But uh, thanks for calling in, and, and we'll we'll do a show Wednesday night, so make sure you call in and talk some Final Four with us. We're going to preview both of these games in detail and in depth. Trey, NBA real quick, Kevin Durant out for the year. I know you heard that. What do you think, buddy? Oklahoma State going to get bounced in the first round? Yeah, I mean, look, Westbrook's uh, having an incredible run, uh, and he's an incredible player. Uh, but the Western Conference is, is just so deep, and they're more than a single player. Westbrook will have some of the best shooting nights. I mean, we'll, we'll be talking about his performances in the playoffs, uh, but they're not going to make it very far. I mean, it's really, really terrible. I mean, honestly, as a basketball fan, I'm not a Thunder fan at all. I don't care. Uh, my team is the Mavericks. <laughs> but I, I want to be able to watch a guy like Kevin Durant play. Uh, when he plays in the you know, when he had that finals run, I mean, just it's just fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, I don't watch 
the NBA except for the playoffs. Generally, I mean that. Uh, but I'll tell you, uh, you want to see the special players play. Um, and without him in the playoffs, it looks a little less special. Yeah, I was going to make a little comment about Decker. You know, we talked about him at Wisconsin. Did you hear on TV where they said he worked out and played against LeBron James and Kevin Durant this summer? Do you think that had any impact on his performance this year? Wow, I didn't hear that. Yeah. I mean, that confidence, that swagger he has and some of those shots, I mean, you only get that way sometimes by playing better competition. But that just made me scratch my head wondering, hell, I I may go play with LeBron and Durant this summer and see if I can get into college and and play some basketball. But that kid was amazing. And and the NBA playoffs right around the corner, Trey, real quick before we get into college football, are you on that Atlanta Hawks bandwagon right now? They're going to be the number one overall seed. Do you see them winning the East, or do you see them getting bounced in the second round? Atlanta might make it to the finals to play Cleveland. Um, and that'll be fine. But, I mean, the Eastern Conference, so really, who cares? I mean, it's it's the right to get beat by the Western Conference. I mean, look, I'd like to see Cleveland make it because I think that they have three players who could actually have a great finals uh, and, and make us all watch. Um, you know, here, I like, I like Atlanta. They have a lot of really good players. I mean, Teague is blossoming. They have guys who um, – have been developing uh, in the NBA, Carvin. But, I mean, they're not – like, I like what they did against the Western Conference and that road swing they did. They won a lot of games. They beat Golden State. Uh, they're not going to do it in a seven-game series. I would love to, love for Atlanta fans to have a, a victory. Uh, but it's just – I just don't see it happening, man. I really don't. The playoffs, they're about star power. And the Hawks have good players, you're right. I mean, they have some good players, but – in order to to beat LeBron James, you have to have something besides what the Atlanta Hawks have. And I think a lot of Hawks fans are deceived, Trey, from when I hear them talking about it. Well, we beat him in the regular season. We did this. There's a big difference between playing an 82-game regular season, however many it is, compared to the playoffs. I mean, LeBron James doesn't get going until the playoffs. So I'm, I'm looking at a, a probably a four-to-one series if, if the uh, Hawks play Cleveland right now. Maybe a sweep. I mean, how, how big is star power once you get into the playoffs? I think that, that, that Atlanta will be good in the in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Um, I think they're susceptible to anybody who gets hot. I mean, you talk about, um, you know, Brooklyn or in the book of like, the playoffs. But at least whatever team gets hot, they could probably beat Atlanta. I mean, that's just the way it is, because Atlanta doesn't have that, that, that knockout shooter. Uh, the thing that we talked about Memphis a couple years ago, where Memphis was a really great overall defensive team, but, like, you know, or you were going to rely on Conley, uh, you know, shooting the three ball if you had to have a money shot. If you have a tied ball game, you're down by two, Tarvin, name the player on Atlanta who you want to take the shot. And you just can't, you can't do it with any confidence. So that's Atlanta's problem. It's the Memphis problem from a few years ago. Memphis has gotten a little bit past that with some guys who can shoot the ball. Uh, that's my problem with Atlanta, buddy. Well, all right. Let's get into what we do best here at Weigh-In Sports. It's college football. Yes, I know it's March. People are like, what are, what are you talking about? We can talk NBA, college basketball. Well, we did. We spent the first 45 minutes of this show talking about the tournament and then two minutes about the NBA playoffs. We'll get to the playoffs when the playoffs get here. But, Trey, um, 
grabbing the headlines in college football, and, and we talked about this on the show. It might have been a month or two ago. I can't remember. Time flies right now. But Jonathan Taylor was kicked off the Georgia football team and picked up by Nick Saban a couple months ago, and we're going to bring Sonia on to talk about this in a moment too. But, Trey, I want to get your opinion first. He still has a court date for a hearing for uh, domestic violence and some criminal mischief, but here he is last night getting arrested for beating on a woman again. Nick Saban came out and said that the university has kicked him off of Alabama. I mean, give me your thoughts about this. I was was heated when this happened, when Nick Saban – picked him up. I didn't know why, but when I started thinking about why, I realized that Nick Saban uh, was very upset losing to Ohio State, watching his defensive line get gashed by Ohio State, where he put winning ahead of of what was right. So give me your thoughts, Trey, about Jonathan Taylor, uh, the incidents that happened last night. Look, I mean, uh, my coach, Jimbo Fisher, is a disciple of Saban, who gives guys a lot of chances, who backs their players. There's always a good side to that, Tarvin, but when there's a bad side to it and a guy like Jonathan Taylor you put on your team, uh, you run the risk of a lot of blowback. And it's not just him. I mean, there's another guy, you know, Smith in that, that secondary who just got popped for his second in DUI. Uh, you know, we talked about DJ Petway. You know, they, they, they were living way too close to the strike zone. You know, it's like a – you don't play with rattlesnakes, Tarvin. Uh, and, and I think in a lot of ways – in this regard, Saban was banking on a lot of players uh, who have a lot of character issues. And, and Tarvin, one of them was two of them. Sometimes you can get get away with that. And you could rehab those players just like you did with Mushi Muhammad at, at, um, at Michigan State. But all of them can't be saved, Tarvin. And then when the ones that don't are like Jonathan Taylor and you have a domestic violence and he does it again, your program, you as a coach, have to come out and, and own it. And I tell you that the statement by Bill Battle was was a cop out, Harvin. They should have just came out and said, "We messed up." End of statement. And, and they seem to blame a lot of things in that statement, not on the program. They should have said, "Look, we gave a second chance to a kid. Actually, more like a third chance, but we gave a second chance to a kid. It didn't work out. Our bad." And that's really what it should have been about. And I think I think I would have been less upset than than what we came out with, Tarvin. I don't know if you saw the statement. Uh, it didn't it didn't strike me as a statement that that really owned to the mistake that is clear that they made. Well, and and look, I'm not sitting over here on a high horse, sitting there up in my ivory tower judging people. But the problem I have with Nick Saban is that we're not talking about smoking weed. We're not talking about you know, a little bar fight. We're talking about the Petaway kid. I believe that's his name, the one that beat the student half to death. And they, is that his name? Yeah, DJ Petaway, the robbery guy okay. was involved with the robbery in Alabama, yeah. Yeah, and, and he came back, and the guy beating this woman, choking her. Look, kids will be kids, I get it, but when you start talking about abuse against women and you start talking about violence against uh, against colleagues, people in college robbing them, beating them, and you allowed that to come back on your team on campus. And I remember you stood up against that trade when it happened, and you said, look, the guy should get a second chance, but it should be somewhere else. It should That kid that got beat to death shouldn't be having to walk the streets with this guy. I mean, there's something wrong with that, and that's what angered me. And look, I'm an Auburn guy, 
and 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 I, it's not coming from that. This is coming from just me being who I am and, and my principles. If it happened at Auburn, I'd be the same way. But but Nick Saban went and took this guy from Mark Rick that had violence against women and and with everything that went on with Ray Rice and and you you see what's going on in the NFL and you took a chance on him to get better. And I want to hear Sonia's point of view about this. About to bring her on, but I, what bothers me is I believe that Nick Saban put winning ahead of his program. And it's not like he had to have this guy. He could get anybody he wanted to play at the University of Alabama. But I just think sometimes even the the best coaches like Nick Saban need a reality check. They need somebody to hold them accountable. And I think Nick Saban controls that whole entire school to where, I mean, you look at Penn State, what happened with Joe Pa and, and all that that went on. Anytime a coach has too much power, you you, you got to be looking at some trouble. And I'm going to bring on Sonia right now. Sonia, welcome back. Give us your thoughts of, of what's going on in Alabama. Are you disappointed that, that that this happened? I guess not disappointed, but that Saban even brought this guy on initially. Of course not. And and what I'm trying to figure out, seriously, I'm being I'm being very honest here. I'm trying to figure out how it's Nick Saban's fault that Jonathan Taylor screwed up his second chance and why, you know, the fact that Nick Saban followed his word, which was zero tolerance. If he messes up, he's out. Okay, he messed up, he's out. So how exactly is this Nick Saban's fault? Now, I understand. No, I understand the whole thing as far as, wait, but let's go back. I totally understand both your statements. I totally agree with both your statements to a point. And maybe it's because this was his second chance, okay? Everybody deserves a second chance. I'm like, Kat, I'm on my fifth second chance right now, okay? <laughs> Let's be honest. None of us are perfect. And you well, do have to, have to beating give them women, though. You have to give them an opportunity to prove themselves. But if you give them that opportunity and they do not prove themselves, okay, guess what? Somebody else can give you a chance. I'm done. It's fine to do that. So, what, you know, it was like, okay, he was getting praise and a little uh, little flack when he did it, but now it's like, oh, my God, he committed the most heinous thing you should ever do in college football, you know. Yeah, oh, Joe he Bob, did. No, he gave the kid a chance, and no, he I'm screwed up. No, I'm talking about Taylor. Taylor beat a woman, and, and the fact is with Petaway, the violent crime, and there's a difference between kids being kids and making mistakes. I make enough, but I've never laid a hand on a woman and beat her, and especially – and that's not the first time the kid's done it. And that's that's what bothered me the most. Nick Saban's accountable for this because he gets all the praise when things go good, and he, he's got to face the music when, when things go bad, in my opinion. This is not a kid smoking weed, needing a second chance. This is a violent criminal that needs to be in prison for doing what he okay, does to so women. Okay, so if Nick had not signed him to Alabama, are you saying that maybe he would not have beaten this woman? No, I'm saying he should have like. never. Like, no, he should like have never signed. He's getting the blame. This man beating on this woman. Had he not signed to any any team and beat her, this would have happened. He would yeah, be in the news. Exactly. He wouldn't be signed to exactly. a team. Exactly. He he would have so done it no matter is, if he was in Auburn point, or Florida. What does Nick have to do with it? He brought him on. He brought him on the team. No, but he brought he brought him criminal. on to the team. He didn't brought he didn't bring he didn't make him beat the woman. <laughs> See, this yeah, is when your mind is getting a here. The, the guy, he already beat the woman before he came to Alabama, and, and, and that's yeah. what I'm saying. Nick, yeah, he, he put winning ahead of what's right. and, and what, I mean, he doesn't need to go out and take a risk on anybody. He can get who he wants, but the fact that he did this, 
is a result of that Ohio State game, Sonia, in my opinion. The, okay. He was pissed off. Let me ask you this uh, then. Who's had the number one recruiting class for the past four years? So you're Alabama. telling me. Okay. So that means that not only are our starters, but our backups and our backup backups should be ready to play, right? Do you really yep. think that Alabama and their future and what we're doing hinges on one player? One player does not make or break the tide. And that's what I think a lot of people are forgetting. I understand the emotion. Trust me, my sister was a victim of abuse. She was buried with scars from her boyfriend that she had, you know, she died with. So I totally get that. But I also understand from the other side how sometimes, like, now Geno Smith, completely different. It's his second DUI. Did he make a bad decision? Heck, yeah, he did. It's his second one. But why did he get it? Did he refuse to take a breathalyzer? You know, give me some facts first. But it's yeah. like, dude, you still your second time, but we need to see what's going on over here. Jonathan Taylor, dude. You were supposed to, basically, I don't care if they put a sheet of paper and said, do not hit anybody, especially women, sign right here. And that's all that's in the file. Dude, you had one thing to do, one thing to do, and you couldn't do it. Your future hinged on you not repeating this. Alabama gate, they had faith in you. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, well, Nick was upset with the Ohio State loss and he's just going to go out and get some convicts or whatever, whatever. Dude, with, with more recruiting classes, what do you think he got in the stable? Give me a freaking break. No, dog. We need to work on some, some secondary. That, but still. Dude, don't sit here and tell me that he, somehow Nick Saban, giving this kid a second chance, is responsible for this woman getting strangled. No. No, it's not. That is totally, that's some BS right there. You're, 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 you're reaching. <laughs> no, hold on. I'll come back to that. Trey wants to comment on it. Go ahead, Trey, and then I'll come back. Yeah, I mean, here's the point, uh, and Sonia. And if you think that um, of a situation where you have someone who, who's going down a destructive path, and then you decide to give them a full scholarship and you put them on a pedestal talking about how amazing of talent they are, uh, and you enable their behavior, um, that that's the problem, and, and you can argue all you want, but by letting him go to one of the best programs in the country because he is a very talented football player uh, with a very violent offense, and, and again, uh, I'm differentiating the people who smoke marijuana, and I really don't care, to be honest, about those guys getting kicked off teams. I think it's ridiculous, but um, you're talking about a violent offense, and you're talking about putting him in one of the most prestigious dorms, most prestigious you know, cafeterias. He gets to basically be a demigod of college football because he gets uh, a scholarship played to Alabama. Uh, and it is enabling, Sonia, in any way, in any form. Uh, he took a violent offender, you know, a guy who was facing very violent offenses, and he enabled him to do it again. Did, did Saban have anything to do with what happened that night? No, of course not. But is, does Nick Saban deserve criticism for what he did by giving a guy a second chance at a university like Alabama? Sure, he does. Are you, are you done? Yep. No. Okay. I, I get what you're saying, but, dude, you're swinging and you're still batting zero. This is the deal. No matter what you think, you're talking about one of the most prestigious. Have you been to Tuscaloosa and actually attended the University of Alabama as a student athlete? Have you lived there even as a citizen? Let me ask you that. I have been to Tuscaloosa many times as a college student, yes. 
Did no, you attended. No. Okay. You so, love you, son. Back to what I was saying. You're saying, oh, well, he had the privilege of playing for Alabama. So Nick Saban should be criticized not only for giving him a second chance, but for giving him more structure and more discipline and more restraints on his behavior than any other any other player on the team. And when he fails to meet those, he lets him go. But somehow he's still responsible for the actions that this young man took. So if we're using that logic, that means no, he, 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 he never said he was for everything James did. No, no, stop. Jimbo is responsible for everything James has did. Joe Pa is responsible for everything that happened you're, at, at uh, you're, you're, PSU. Sonia, and, Sonia, uh, you're, you're not, you're not listening to what Everything that happened at USC. Right. No, you can't sit here and, and call it an apple on this day and an orange on this one. No. The no, logic, no, I understand what you're trying to say. He should have never her. He was going to hit her regardless if he was in Alabama, Georgia, Kentucky, FSU. Oh, it didn't God. matter. And he showed that he is not a good character. So goodbye. Oh my God, Son, are you still there? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I was what I was saying is, it's not Nick Saban's fault that he hit that lady. That's not what I was saying at all. That's not this like you. it wasn't it wasn't Gene Chizik's fault that the guys came in there and, and robbed those kids at Auburn either. But the the thing is, a violent criminal and and violent is is a is a is a correct word to use with this guy. He gets a chance to get a free ride to the best college in America. I mean, he gets a, an education. He's going to be noticed for the NFL. And Mark Rick kicked the guy off and said, man, this is a cancer. This kid is terrible. And from some of the sources that I've heard that Mark Rick gave him a couple of chances too, but he Mark could Rick not gave tolerate him four it. He gave yeah, him four. Is, That's why I'm it's, it's, laughing at this. I'm like, wait a minute. This man gives him four, gets rid of him. Nick Saban's like, okay, dude, I'm just going to give you one chance. Do, Nick gives do, him do, one, do you, which is really his second, and he screws up. So Nick kicks him off, and all of a sudden Nick's like, oh, my God, the most horrible person. He enables him to beat women. No, he beat women because he's a bad person. And once his what, character what is, was shown, what guess think? what? He's shown the door. Should he have even brought him on? You're, you're basically saying Nick yeah. Saban should have never given this kid a second chance. On that, I can I partially agree. I'll be honest, I can partially agree, but there's a part of me that's a mom, too, that's like, you know what? I give my child every chance in the world to get it right because I want him to be a good person. And sometimes he might have to fall. If that means going to jail and serving time, guess what? Major bad lying. So I'm kind of, you know, I got my foot in both camps there. But the thing that I was getting really like, this is making no sense, is the whole argument that somehow if Nick Saban hadn't allowed him to go to Alabama, he's, that would have no. stopped him from being a woman. And no, that's what you're no, watching. No. Back, that's what it sounds no, like you're saying. My, my, that's what me and Jason were like. Was, I put you on mute. And I'm like, if, are you hearing what I'm hearing? No, that's not. So maybe it was the wrong verbiage. But I got yeah, it. Yeah, but what what I'm saying is that Nick Saban should have never allowed a kid with this background to come in to Alabama to play football. And, and when I say Nick Saban's to blame, he's to blame for allowing him to come play. And there's Saban don't give a damn about this kid at all. He he saw what kind of talent he was, and he wants to win. Any coach wants to win, but he crossed the line. That's your opinion, and though, right? Saying, yeah, and I, and I said this a couple months ago, and, and I'm sticking to it now, is he never deserved an opportunity to, to, to attend the best school in America with football 
and have a chance to go to the NFL because he's a good talent. Saban, to me, chose chose talent over the right thing to do. And even Saban makes mistakes. We all do. Saban screwed exactly. up on this, and he he deserve he needs to come out and say, "Look, I screwed up." Uh, and he doesn't give a damn about this guy, Sonia. He could care less about this kid. He wants to win just like every other coach. These coaches act like they love these kids. They could give less than a damn. They want to win, and that's the bottom line for all of them. Maybe one out of a hundred care about these kids, really. I'll, 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 I know that's your opinion. I, I totally disagree on that part because I know coaches, and, you know, my nephew's a coach, and I'm pretty sure that Coach Derek Lett cares about his players. Well, you know, I'm he's not, not a head coach. Taylor. He wants to win, but I'm pretty sure he cares about his players. No, I'm, but I'm as talking far about as Nick, Taylor. I'm sorry for misunderstanding. It, no, it just made no sense at first. And I totally, like I said, I agree to a point. But that's neither here or there. He's near, here or there right now. He's gone. Geno Smith, we'll see what happens with that. You know, we'll see what unfolds. And if he needs to be gone, he'll be gone. Yeah. I mean, Gino, to me, look, okay, you got a DUI. If, if it happens again, maybe you suspend him for a couple of games and, yeah. and that's it. But but there's a difference between, you know, drinking a few beers and driving. You exactly. could kill someone, no, no doubt about it. But the, but I, exactly. I, I hate, I hate men a woman. that lay their hands on women. I cannot stand a man, the coward, the piece of shit that would lay a hand on a woman. And for that – me, personally, as a coach, I would not give the kid a time of day. If he wants to go to a JUCO, he wants to go build his life back up, you know, and, and get counseling, and then he wants to come one year and play at Alabama once he's had a track record of, hey, but this was just like a couple weeks after he beat the hell out of a woman that Saban's like, yeah, I want to give this kid a second chance. Why did Saban want to give this kid a second chance? What did he know about Taylor that – but, but besides the fact that he was a great talent, that's what I'm trying to get at. Trey, I mean, am I saying I it right? I don't want to come across LSU, the wrong way. I'm a, Georgia, all of them recruited him. They've, they've, been, they've known this kid since high school. That's the thing that people also forget. He was recruited by LSU, UGA, Bama, I believe UT, and there's somebody else. But they've been following this kid, and he chose UGA. Okay, he showed some character issues there. And from what I understand now, I do not know if this is true. I don't know if this is factual. But from what I understand, when he offered the second chance, Saban actually reached out to Rick, and they talked it over. And it was basically like, does he deserve this opportunity? And Rick was like, yeah, but this needs to be the final thing. Now, that I do not know if it's true. Like I said, this is something that I heard. But the bottom line is he screwed up. And he, you know, Gino, like I said, Dude, I don't know if you just refuse to take a breathalyzer. I need a little bit more facts on that. <laughs> but you're, he's a but, senior. You know what I'm saying? It's like I can more, I can deal more with that, even though I'm disappointed in his behavior and his decision making. But no, Taylor gets no excuse, dude. You put hands. You like I said, you were told to do one thing, and you could not do that. And it's the most heinous thing there is. How can you? And, and, and as far as beat, let's let's get the verbiage right. In the first and second case, he was accused of putting his hands around, well, this case I know, uh, trying to strangle her or something like that. He had his hands around her neck. I don't know in the first case. Now, did he actually beat her, Tarvin? Were there pictures or something out? Um, he confessed to punching her. He did choke her, and he punched her in the face, from what I remember reading. I mean, there was no footage, I don't believe, of, of the video, but that, that's what he's going to court for, and that's where a lot of people thought that, 
that he wouldn't even be able to play at Alabama after his court date. So it was just a, a thing. And, and, Sonia, let me tell you this. If you think this is about just Alabama, it's not because when oh, Gus no. Malzahn reached out to Taylor, you know, Gus Malzahn did, and he lied. Gus lied and said he didn't, but he did. Jay Jacobs right. told Gus Malzahn, refute everything. Gus, Jay Jacobs said there's no way in hell we're going to tie our name to this. And that's what surprised me when Alabama did. I mean, Alabama did, I, would I think- allow that. Yeah, and we and remember when uh, when the story broke, I came on and we talked about it, and I was like, I'm not saying I, I 100% agree with it, you know, because of my personal, you know, knowledge, you know, i.e. my sister, um, but I trust my coach, and maybe there's something going on behind the scenes, but one thing I know, if he messes up, he needs to be gone, and it looks like that's what happened this weekend. Again, I can't sit here and say, yeah, Nay, Saban should have never touched him. He should have just walked away. You know, all of these coaches do want to win. But I don't believe that all coaches, that's all they care about. I'm not going to say there are some that are like that. I cannot say that about most coaches. I would say the majority of their coaches, the coaches, actually do care about these players. And these players come back. Look at Rolando McClain. Since we're talking about Bama players getting in trouble, that joker was in trouble Five, six, seven, fifty-eleven times. Every time you turn around, Rolando McQueen arrested. Rolando McQueen, and it was almost like, what did he do this time? Was it a felony? Was it a misdemeanor? Is he bailed out? I mean, you know what I'm saying? It was just like a mantra. Yeah. So when he went to the NFL and, and busted, you know, he straight busted. Dude, you had to retire. He had to come back to Alabama, come back, get, you know, get mentored, re-mentored, and re-centered under Coach Saban. The man is now... I mean, look, he, Dallas Cowboys, one of their their playmakers, Law hadn't sniffed him. You know, knock on wood. <laughs> Let's just make sure he is Rolando. Mm-hmm. You know, knock on wood on that. Well, but, well, you know, it's kind of like you see this and it's like, okay, if Coach Saban can't help you, dude, you through. <laughs> and that's how I look yeah. at it. You know? Well, I want to clear up what I said before I bring it to Trey on his comment, but about the coaches not caring, what I meant was, when coaches, and, and you're right, they, they probably recruited him before, but what I meant was Saban didn't care about rehabilitating his kid. He didn't care anything about it. He wanted to win. And Trey, I mean, I know coaches care about people, and I said that the wrong way. Anything you want to throw in on this story? No, the only thing, Tarvin, that I'll say is this is not the case where, like, the Cincinnati Bengals sign a guy off the practice squad who, who really shouldn't be on the roster because, you know, for the help – you know, health insurance for his kid. You know, that's an altruistic coach, right? That they put him on the roster for two years. Even this year, he's on the roster for the same reason. Jonathan Taylor wasn't put on Alabama's roster to help him out. He was put on the roster to help the team, and it was a bad choice. A lot of teams, a lot of a lot of ADs stepped up and, and would not have made that decision. And, and Bill Battle is the one who kicked him off off Alabama's program. Uh, they made a mistake, Tarvin. That's just that's just what it is. It was a mistake from Saban and Bill Battle to letting this kid come to Alabama. It bit him in the behind, uh, and, and we'll all move on. But uh, we should learn from this. Well, I'm going to see what they say tomorrow. With uh, you know, we'll see what the big time media says because usually, you know, they people don't mess with Saban. We know that they they try to steer clear of saying anything. But I'm I'm interested to hear what what Feinbaum says. He's a Saban lover. I just want to hear – I know he was upset when this happened, and they they brought some people on to talk about Taylor that knew him personally, what kind of character he had. So I want to hear what 
what some of the media, other than people that aren't Auburn fans, that aren't Alabama fans, that right. get to see their opinion. <laughs> because, you know, my experience in life is different. Everybody has their own views. They're shaped by what you see as a child from when you grow up. Now, now Sonia, you may hate um, – you may hate people that hit dogs. I may I may hate people that hit women, but it's because of what we experience from our whole entire life, what we've seen. I've seen physical abuse from men and women to women and it's it's not something that I'm I'm very high on where, you know, you might be armed robbery, somebody in your family might have been killed in a robbery where if somebody robbed someplace, you're ready to give them the death penalty. So everybody has different points of views, but all I'm saying is Nick Saban gets all the credit for things that he deserves, and he deserves the credit for what he's done in Alabama, but he also deserves the criticism when when negative things happen. It's just like in my job in management. I get praised sometimes for good things, but by God, anything bad happens, you know I'm going to get slammed for it. But that's the price of, of being the man in leadership well, like totally Saban is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I was going to say, I totally agree with you, and, and I'm sorry I misunderstood you, Trey, because I, I was like, wait a minute, that's not making any sense. <laughs> but you, I totally get it, with what you were both trying to say now. He do, I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve any criticism, okay? I'm not saying that, because I'm sitting back with my eyebrow kind of cocked to the side, too. But it was just the the verbiage that was used, and, and if you guys, again, if you listen listen, listen to the tape and go back, it sounded as if you were both saying, more so you, Trey, you know, that had Saban not signed the kids, then the woman wouldn't have not, you know. It was almost like, well, Saban's responsible for her, and it's like, whoa, <laughs> stop. But I, I totally get it because I don't want to go back down that road. <laughs> I totally get it. I totally, totally agree. I'm just glad that, you know, one thing I hate about the off season, almost every day it's like you, you just have to, like, I told I posted in one of our groups. I said, you know, I've got a sign up on the wall like they do at construction sites, and it says, you know, zero zero zero. How many days since Alabama players have been arrested? That Joker hadn't been in triple zero for a while. <laughs> and this weekend they were just extra high achievers. So I need the tie players. Look, go home. Don't go nowhere. <laughs> Don't do nothing. <laughs> go to practice. Go home. Go study. Don't go out. Don't just go. Don't do nothing, please. <laughs> I'm sick of it. Well, I understand. It's it's a tough season. But Sonia and Jason, thank y'all very much <clears throat> for joining us tonight. We've had a good time. We're gonna wrap it up. But thank you so much for coming on. And hopefully, y'all can come on Wednesday night. Join us for our final four preview. But Trey, I don't want people to think that that I thought I said Nick Saban was responsible for the girl getting beat. I mean, I mean, the guy's going to do it no matter if he's at Florida State, no matter if he's at Harvard, Notre Dame. That's not the point. All I'm saying is, Nick Saban, you know, you deserve to take a, a week of beating from the media because the Final Four is going to be talked about, Trey. But do you think the national media is going to get on this story and punish Saban all week? Or do you think they're just going to sweep it under the rug and move on? Maybe, maybe it's not a big deal is, is what I'm making it to be. Well, I mean, Sports Center was tweeting about it today, and so were a lot of prominent ESPN anchors. So, um, you know, a lot of the – and you know, what, what strikes me about it, too, is um, the big recruiting guys, uh, you know, for, for 247, 24-7 sports uh, and for rivals, ESPN recruiting as well, all were tweeting about how he shouldn't have gotten the second chance. And that tells me something because, you know, the recruiting guys who follow recruiting and who – the national recruiting guys, um, they know a lot about these these kids too. 
because they, they follow their recruiting. And, and, you know, a lot, a lot of them were tweeting about uh, how this was a mistake early on. Um, so it seems like we all knew this was going to happen, and here we are. So we'll see how it plays out, we'll um, you know. So, Trey, Trey, let's let's pretend for a minute. Let's put this in the real world, and not football. You just say I'm very good. Just say I'm the best at what I do. Just say I'm very talented individual in the financial world, and you know other companies want me. Say I go into work tomorrow and I beat the hell out of a, of a coworker in the office. Do you think that a Fortune 500 company or anybody's gonna gonna hire me a couple weeks after that incident, me getting fired and put in jail and all this. Do you think somebody's going to take a flyer on me, or do you think I better get ready to flip burgers? Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely correct. I mean, I don't think if, you know, you do something at, at Apple, you know, that Google is going to hire you uh, for, you know, for, this, for you know, getting fired for some sort of domestic you know, or, or violent offense. I just, I just don't see that happening um, in the corporate world. It certainly wouldn't happen in the military. So, you know, I, like I said, criticism deserved, Tarvin. Uh, and Sonia is, a, is absolutely correct. You know, usually the, the craziness that is the off season uh, starts mm-hmm. a little bit later. I mean, we're 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 in, <laughs> we're, in, we're not even in April, Tarvin, and we're talking about guys already getting booted off teams. This is usually the the June July. It starts usually in May. So if that's any indication, Tarvin, we all should batten down the hatches for our respective teams because um, this could be an offseason filled with stars getting in trouble. Well, John Solomon of of CBS Sports came out um, with an article, and it says Nick Saban blew it with Jonathan Taylor domestic violence as arrest. There was shock expressed by some reporters and fans late Saturday when news broke about the the public wonders how Taylor, four months after being indicted on two felony counts for hitting and choking his girlfriend in Georgia, could arrest it again on a similar charge given a reprieve by Nick Saban, if not a court of law. In this latest case, it led to Taylor's arrest and resulted in his dismissal Sunday by Saban. The Tuscaloosa Police Department said a 24-year-old victim stated that she was assaulted by her boyfriend and had minor injuries to her neck from the assault, plus there was a hole punched in the bedroom closet door. Sadly, the reaction was surprised about Taylor's latest arrest as a part of the problem on the subject of men abusing women. Um, it's just re- people are saying it's reprehensible. Um, Saban blew it. Alabama Athletic Director Bill Battle blew it. The University of Alabama blew it and it has a stop. Powerful men such as Saban can be a part of the solution by sending clear messages with actions, not just words on where they stand on men hitting women. And I think that's what you were trying to say, Trey. It's like he couldn't have prevented him, but he could have prevented it from happening on his watch as as being a coach because Alabama is the best job. If you're a player in Alabama, you're treated like royalty, and you get to do anything you want. But him coming, it's being rewarded. It'd be different, Trey. I mean, if this was – Two years later, would you have a different opinion? If the kid stayed clean for two years, got help, yeah. would you be? Would, would you have a problem with Nick Saban bringing him on? Well, I think it's a totally different situation at that point because you have a track record of, of approving. And you know, I will count this. And you know, the Dallas Cowboys have taken a lot of flack for Greg Hardy uh, in the NFL for something very similar. And and their one of their vice presidents came out with a bunch of research that talked about, you know, um, sort of what Sonia was saying about the structure and that kind of stuff. But unfortunately, to Sonia's point, the structure and the programs that are available for this kind of stuff to rehab someone, one, they take time, and two, you can't do it while you're sort of in school. You need a professional uh, sort of setting where they're getting paid, and, and then part of their contract can get forced to this kind of stuff. 
Uh, so, you know, rehabilitation uh, for this kind of stuff does matter. Uh, it matters long term. Uh, but there was no track record for this guy to understand that he was even wanting to uh, stop his, basically, his anger towards women. Uh, and that's the problem, Carvin. We didn't, you know, there was no, there was no, other than him wanting to play football again, it didn't look like it was there for this, this kid um, and wanting to mm-hmm. basically change his behavior. And that's the black eye we have right now, and I'm not punning that, but that's that's the mark that Alabama football has right now uh, for letting well, that go. Well, I want to read this before we close out on this subject. Last month, Bill Battle said that they thoroughly investigated numerous sources and had extensive discussions with several people who are very close to Taylor. Saban had cited conversation with Taylor's high school and junior college coaches and mentioned his disciplinary his stipulations going forward. Here's who they did not contact. Georgia coach Mark Richt and Athens Clark County District Attorney Ken Maldon, the prosecutor in Taylor's first domestic violence case, think they may have offered a different perspective. Instead of Saban taking a chance with the safety of his university's campus, maybe he should think he should talk to domestic violence experts. Some of them warned that another incident could happen to potential legal implica- implications for Alabama. So here we're talking about you know, really negligence on Nick Saban and Bill Battle and, and the University of Alabama. So that's all we're saying is, is you know, they, they said they did extensive research, but they didn't even talk to Mark Rick, right? They didn't even talk to the district attorney. I mean, it, wouldn't Mark Rick be the first person you'd pick up the phone and call? I mean, this is an SEC brotherhood, really. These coaches are, they have a bond. I mean, don't you think you would call and talk to, to Coach Mark Rick? Well, I would have talked to the prosecutor because, I mean, they're going to have the, the most extensive evidence, the aggravation, the mitigation. I mean, that's what lawyers do. Uh, so it's a bit important to talk to that person just because you've got a sense of uh, somebody who sees this every day. Uh, prosecutors do. I mean, they do a fine job of keeping, uh, you know, really violent offenders off the streets. Uh, and it had been great to know from that prosecutor how he thought about what Jonathan Taylor did and what he thought he could recover from. Because, I mean, a prosecutor, um, their job is overall justice, and they want to put people away, but they want to make sure they don't do it again. So that would have been an important person. Yeah, I mean, this is some great discussion. This is what separates us from places. We we can conduct arguments in a professional way. We can have a – I mean, this is good stuff. I mean, you hear it from – from different opinions, and, and we all keep it respectful. But I guarantee you ESPN and them won't touch it as deep as we can. You know, we're, we're Block Talk Radio. I'm not censored by really anyone except myself. So as long as I keep it clean, I, I can talk about any opinion I want. But I think, and this is what I think is going to happen, I think tomorrow, Monday, this happened over the weekend, um, they're, they're going to talk the Final Four. They're going to talk about that a little bit. But what's going to overshadow all of that, is what happened at Alabama, especially in a time where domestic violence is happening in the NFL, and it's just it's just not good. So you're a lawyer, Trey. What kind of negligence could they – or any kind of legal implications that this happens again, what could they do to Alabama? I'll be honest. I'm not so sure about that one. I think that's – I don't know. That's that reaching, buying. isn't it? Yeah, I think it's reaching quite a bit. I don't yeah, buy that. I agree. I don't buy that argument. I don't either, but I mean, it happens. It, it's, I mean, when it happens at Alabama, that's a, it's going to be magnified a lot more because when you're on top, when you when you're successful, people are going to come in and they're going to try to to look at everything with a magnifying glass. If this happened at 
at uh, Memphis, I don't think anybody would really care. It'd be reported, there'd be a, a page on it, and that would be it. Nobody would care. But this is Alabama. This is the blue blood right now of college football. This is the mecca of college football. So when good things happen, you're going to get praise for it. When bad things happen, you, you have to take it. And, and I know a lot of Bama fans say that they weren't happy with this with Taylor when he first signed on because, you know, when I heard Gus Malzahn reach out to the kid, I was pissed off. And then Gus came back out and said, no, he didn't, they didn't reach out to him, which that was a lie. I found out he did actually reach out to John Taylor. So, I mean, if he would have signed with Auburn, Alabama, Florida State, the guy was still a thug and he doesn't deserve a free, free ride to the, one of the best colleges in the country, Trey. Yeah, I, I definitely did not want him to be part of anything at Florida State uh, for sure. Um, and I would, you know, I'd have been pretty mad if he'd have gone that way, that had gone that route. So, um, good discussion, Tarvin. You know, it's a serious topic that we should have serious discussions about, whether it's sporting or otherwise. Um, and we'll see how it plays out, man. We'll see if what, what, well, what the did. Well, I want to congratulate you, Trey, for your probably your bracket win. Michelle is second right now. I don't think she can catch you since she. I think she has the exact same matchups as you have. But Kelly Porter has Duke right now. But I think she may could beat you. That might be one person that could. I don't know. I haven't done the mathematics. But, Trey, I had seven of the eight Elite Eight teams, three of the Final Four, and, and I'm in 14th place. I mean, what, what does that tell you about the caliber of people in this bracket? Well, we had, we had a good year, man. And uh, I like where I am on top. Uh, you know, started from the bottom, now I'm here. So, uh, hopefully I can finish this thing out, Carvin, and I'll defend next year. Well, one of the things I've won it the last couple of years, so I'm I'm bound to have a bad year. But if you if you think winning three out of four of the final four teams is a bad year, then okay. But you know I'm, I'm making finish in the top five or six, depending on if Duke and Kentucky both play for the championship and Kentucky wins it. That's how I have my bracket. That's how you have your bracket, Trey. It's, it's just weird how when I look at the brackets that you had Louisville as a Final Four team and I had. I thought I would be the only one in America with Louisville in the Final Four, and it's, it wasn't like a long shot. I mean, a lot of people had Louisville in the Final Four. Yeah, and, you know, honestly, if I had been able to pick Oklahoma losing to Michigan State, I really I really went back and forth on that <laughs> game. I thought I really thought that if, if Oklahoma beat Michigan State, which I liked the matchup there, they would then lose to Louisville. And I thought the exact opposite, and you and I talked about this, if Michigan State beat Oklahoma, then I thought they would get past Louisville. So, you know, you pick these brackets and you never know. But the, the fact of it is, both of us three or four this year, Tarvin, I think they ain't too shabby. Yeah, but I want to thank Quinn for calling in tonight, Sonia and Jason for calling in. And, uh, it's been a good show, man. We, we talked a lot. It went longer than I thought we were going to go tonight, an hour and a half. But, but Trey, I think Nick Saban's in some trouble this week. I think the media is going to have fun bashing it. Well, there's not much to talk about in college football, and, and honestly, you know, he brought it on himself. So we'll talk about this until the next arrest, man. <laughs> all right. I want to put it out there for everybody that, hey, I'm all about second chances with people, and I make more mistakes than probably anybody out there in the world. But when you violently hurt women, when you're hurting people, that's when the, the line has to be drawn. You you can't reap the same rewards as, as someone that, that does it the right way. So he deserved a second chance. It, it, uh, have you ever watched the movie The Longest Yard? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's how he deserved a chance there. But, but Trey, 
Have a good week. Hopefully you can join us Wednesday night. Is that going to be possible? We can go later if you need to. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'll let you know. I'm actually probably going to be traveling on Wednesday for the military, so we'll see. All right. Trey, I'm, I have Jason Humphrey on the line. I'm going to go ahead and cut you off, Trey. Jason, Hi, buddy. do you want to get in real quick before we go, buddy? Quinn, are you there? Quinn Thomas. Hey, Quinn, are you there, buddy? I wasn't, but I guess now I am. Well, let me ask you real quick um, about Nick Saban in Alabama. What are your thoughts real quick? Uh, I think think Saban probably made a mistake with bringing him in just because he... He did it before. I guess I, I'm totally against abuse, but I guess I wasn't. I didn't really make it out, and I'm and I wasn't gonna really put bash Saban or anything for it. Well, no, I don't want to bash Saban. I just yeah, I just, but what, I, mean, what, what, what I guess you, give him criticism. Yeah, he deserves criticism. I mean, if I. bad judgment, you know, and and I paid for it. You know, you pay for it. Sometimes you make the wrong decision, you do it. But what I'm saying is you you get all the glory. Every time something goes right, you get all the credit. But so when things go bad, you have to be there like a man and and take the criticism. So I'm just interested to see how Nick Saban responds to this criticism. And, you know, Nick Saban doesn't get criticized too much. But I think this week could be a week. he'll He'll probably say he made a mistake. Is what I'm guessing he'll say. He probably knows he's gonna get some criticism because he knows how the media is. I'm sure. I'm sure he won't be too surprised, and I'm sure. And I'm sure he'll respond respectfully and probably admit he made a mistake. Okay. Well, Quinn, I appreciate you, buddy. Yeah. Take care, bud. And Bertram said he wanted to call in. I'm waiting just a minute to see if he wants to call in before we call it a night. Um, it's been a great show. And uh, we're, we're just sitting here rolling on and weighing sports talk. I'm giving Bertram the number to call in. He's going to give his opinions on this stuff. And, and look, Sonia made some valid points. And, and, and just because you disagree with one another doesn't mean one of you is right and one of you is wrong. That's called opinion. And I'm telling you, if, if Gus Malzahn would have brought this kid on, I'd have felt the same way, and and it would have happened. If Gus Malzahn brought him on, he would be in jail the same way. It didn't matter whether he was in Tuscaloosa or Auburn or Georgia. The kid cannot keep his hands off of women. And it's just it's disappointing to me that that it happened. That's what surprised me. If, it's, if, if this was um, – What's his name? I can't even think of his name. The old Arkansas coach that Bobby Petrino bringing him in. See, I wouldn't be surprised about that. But Nick Saban has no need whatsoever to gamble on any recruit because he gets the cream of the crop. He gets the number one talent each year in and year out. That's what upset me the most is why, Nick? Why would you even take a chance on a kid that, that has a background abusing women? And if it was uh, Jonathan Taylor had three DUIs. Jonathan Taylor got in two bar brawls. Jonathan Taylor robbed a bank. I would care less about him coming to play football. But when you start, you're violent against women, 
And that wasn't his first time. The time he got arrested wasn't the first time he ever laid hands on his woman. I mean, I'm telling you, that's the first time it was somebody had the stones to call the police or, or to do anything. But you don't just all of a sudden at, at 20 years old decide I'm going to start hitting women. This is a, a pattern he probably saw his entire life. Probably a guy that grew up without a father or the father he had was in and out beating on his mom. But it didn't all of a sudden you don't become violent at 20 years old and you're in college. That it doesn't usually happen like that. Kids probably, his raising probably wasn't great. And now, you know, with no male role model in his life, it's too late. I mean, Mark Rick can't can't make you do what you're supposed to do. Bertram, I'm going to give you about one minute to call in and, and we're going to roll. Uh, but, but, you know, Mark Rick was never contacted. The district attorney was never contacted. So the thorough investigation that Bill Battle claims that they did was, um, I just don't think it was that credible what he said. But Wednesday night, we're going to do a show. We'll be live. We're going to talk about the Final Four, and we're going to talk about what the media says about, about Jonathan Taylor and everything that happened. And, again, I'm not beating up the, the other kid that got arrested from Alabama at all for his second DUI. I could care less. Let him play football. Hopefully he can turn it around. That's a rehabilitatable thing. I mean, beating women is something that you shouldn't get ten chances for. You shouldn't even get one. You hit a woman, it's over. Um, and I just wish people would, would stop putting these coaches on pedestals and letting them make decisions that that impact everyone. So I think this could be a turning point with Nick Saban, the way people never question him. They think he can do no wrong. Well, he did do wrong. And I think you're going to start seeing that in the media. They're going to start looking at this and, and holding people accountable, not just Nick Saban, but every coach should be in check by someone. Nick Saban runs Alabama, and that's fine. He's very successful at what he does, but he's going to have to own up and take the criticism. The AD is going to have to – put something in place to kind of override him on some decisions because Nick Saban is a man. He's human. He's just like me. He's just like you. He, he's, he bleeds. He's, he's not perfect, but everybody needs a boss. Everybody needs somebody to, especially in a place like Alabama with the money rolling the way it is, the success, you know, bad things happen in good places. So Wednesday night we'll be on at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Hope you join us. It's been a great show tonight. Enjoy rest up this week because you're going to need all the energy you can get next Saturday watching these two semifinal games. And thanks, everyone, for calling in. We'll see you next week.